Welcome again to Creative Mind. On this episode, we're going to start off our new month of fashion by talking about the business of fashion. So if you're into fashion or a fashion student or thinking about entering the world of fashion, this is something you really want to take a listen to. And if you're not into fashion, then you really want to take a listen to this and probably take some notes because it's going to change the way you look at the world around you, the clothes you buy, and in these new times, how business is going to move forward. Today, you're going to hear from Ilsa Metchek, and she's the president of the California Fashion Association. And even though that this talk was a little while ago, it still rings true today. And in fact, actually more so because everything we know about fashion and everything we know about consumer products has changed. We know nothing is really made in the U.S. anymore. Everything is imported, but that can change. And it's starting to change overnight with political situations, pandemic situations, even just the way people buy things. So if you've ever thought about, hey, I've got a great idea. I can make a T-shirt with a catchy slogan on it, or I can make a beautiful dress, or I've got a friend who's really good at making clothes, maybe I can back them or help them set up a website or make some money on the side, then take the next half hour and listen to everything you can about starting, running, and being successful in an industry that is global. And just again, to give you some background on who you're listening to, you're going to be hearing from Ilsa Metchek, who is the president of the California Fashion Association, started in 1994, made up of the key members of the major fashion apparel manufacturers in the regions, as well as representatives from the finance sector and other allied industries. In 2016, she was awarded the Stanley Olufsen Award for her contribution to the world trade. So right now, 87% of everything that anybody is wearing in this room or anywhere else comes from somewhere else. Why do we do global sourcing? There's large factories. If there are 2,000 machines running, it's much cheaper to make a garment than if there are 20 machines running. Up-to-date machinery. Every single other country funds machinery, funds technology. Only the United States does not fund up-to-date technology or machines. Labor-intensive. When you do a five-screen print, a ten-screen print, there are two people at each side of the table walking it through. You can't have that at $15 an hour. You can have that at $2 a month. Wide a variety of textiles. We cannot make down in the United States. We cannot pluck a duck. We cannot do yarn dye. You know, your men's shirts that are stripes and plaids. Dyeing yarn is environmentally problematic. So we can't do yarn dye. We can't do silk. We can't do linen. None of those things are made in the United States and cannot be made in the United States. So what you have is a wider variety of textiles. What global sourcing offers you as a production manager, as a maker, lower labor cost, but what they need is U.S. management and predictive services. One of the interesting things that happened last year, one of my clients is uh, Alibaba, and I go to Hangzhou every year. And 
I do a presentation on what the American customer is doing, and it's all translated in Chinese behind me, except one word, one phrase, predictive services. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They never have understood it. They can make whatever you want right now, but if you ask them what will be coming in six months, they haven't a clue. We are the masters, US and EU, parts of the EU, on predictive services. The other side of the coin, can we make it here? And to start a business, you must make it here. Your first group of things, and you're not going to be able to give it to a factory that wants 300 pieces of a color and sometimes 300 pieces of a size of a color. You have to find a way to test it in the United States or Mexico or Canada. No, Canada doesn't make anything. So with that little bit of information, and if you probably look at the tag on your shirt, you'll see that, yes, indeed, it does not say made in America. But can clothes be made in America anymore? And why is that something we even worry about? When it comes down to the raw materials, the design, the manufacturing, it's all done somewhere else, along with a lot of everything else that we own. It's a global marketplace. It's a global industry. And there's some things to think about as you're working in an industry that is highly globalized. So what do you get when you make it domestically? You can make 10 pieces. You can make smaller lots. You can make 10 styles. More SKUs per line if you want to make caftans. You can make 15 caftans, 20 pieces of each. You can't do that anywhere in the world other than a domestic manufacturing. Now, that's costly, but you can do it. Quick turnaround. And you're in the factory. If you don't like the way they're sewing or something's not working well for the first two or three garments, you change it quickly. That's the benefits of making it domestically, making your business here. I'm not talking about making your samples or making that first line you want to show your first employer. Immigration status ruling. This is not a political statement, guys, but the law is, the federal law is, Social Security number. When you are hired, the first thing they ask you is for your Social Security number. Four months later, you get a letter from Social Security, no match. It's called a no match letter. The employer is responsible to fire that employee. The employee is not the villain here. The employer gets fined, and that employee must be fired. Now, in the immigration status, let me just tell you that 20% of the sewers in Southern California do not have status. So they go around the corner to Olvera Street and they get another Social Security card for another $10, okay? And that takes four months. That's the process right now. It has to stop. And I, that's my job, and I'll tell you about my job at another time, but we're a sanctuary city in a sanctuary state. So everybody is here, but they can't work. There's something wrong with this, okay? So, they can pick grapes in Fresno, but they can't sew a t-shirt. That's my fight right now. Industrial training. Every time you fire someone for that reason, there's no one to hire. There is no industrial training for sewing, 
for fixing machinery, not just in our business, but in any business. This state has decided that everybody should be a nuclear physicist or a technological genius, okay? People do want to work with their hands, and there is no industrial training. Equipment financing. Again, only in the United States does the government not finance new equipment. When I had my company in my own name, and I needed 10 machines, the bank owned those machines until I paid them off. That went out with TARP. That went out in the 80s with the big financial crisis. So there's no financing just for equipment. The problem with that is contractors, for the most part, do not have the credit worthiness to buy or lease machinery. And they usually have to ask someone else, the person they're working for, the person they're sewing for, the brand holder, to get them the new equipment. So these are the problems inherent in domestic manufacturing. Don't kid yourself. These are political barriers, not sewing barriers and not barriers for talent. However, and there's, uh, everything I'm going to tell you has a however. I just want you to know that. Who cares? Who really cares about Made in USA? This is a Harris poll last year. When you see an ad, are you more likely to buy it? So the older you get, the more you care. Anybody under 18 does not give a damn. They just want what they want when they want it, okay? But the fact is, 75% of those polled at any age will only pay 15% more for something. That's the max if they really feel they want made in USA. So if you have a pair of jeans that are $100 or $115 or $117, the $100 jean will be bought whether it's made in USA or China. An important question that a lot of people don't think to ask is, who's the actual consumer of the clothing that I'm designing or the product I'm making? Who's going to buy it? What do I need to know about them? Ilsa has some tips. Who's the consumer and the fashion retailing today? And ladies and gentlemen, it has taken us 20 years to get to where we are now with the internet and all of that. And I will tell you that by the time you are in the executive world, five years from now, it will be changed. The two best retailers in the country, by virtue of profitability and growth, are TJ Maxx and Ross Stores. And neither one of them has a sophisticated website or online purchasing. Profitability and growth, TJ Maxx and Ross Stores. And they have buyers that buy that product. As a share of apparel and footwear, it is significantly going, and again, without the benefit of significant e-commerce business. So by year-end of 2020, 80% of everything that's an in-store purchase will be influenced. And I say influenced because influence does not mean bought. Online is the big gorilla in the room but only 15% of all apparel is bought online. 80% is researched. So, we are in a position of disruption and uncertainty. Everybody in the business will tell you that, and the older people will say, oh my God, it's not the way it used to be. Well, thank goodness, okay? Change is good. 
and the total amount of business being done in the United States in consumer products, and that's shoes, apparel, aprons, socks, children's wear, is up. We have a top-to-bottom transformation. The old way of you make a line, you show it to buyers at a trade show, the buyers put it in the store, and hope it sells. Gone. Gone. That is not the reality of success right now. Amazon is 34% of apparel sales right now. They transforming the way consumers consume it and pay for it. And we have no fashion calendar. We're going to be wearing white pants in November, I am sure, okay? And sleep, not even just because it's warm out, because nobody cares anymore. Merchandising happens every 10 weeks. If you're not showing new product all the time, you are not going to be in business doing three seasons a year, five seasons a year, every 10 weeks. Obviously, online is the way to go. You're listening to a podcast that you're listening to online. Everything is online. Just a mouse click away and it's delivered to your front door. But what does that really mean? Are people only going to buy online? Or are they just going to do research online? Ilsa has some tips to think about how your online presence goes into the design and the manufacturing of your product. So what is online? This is your responsibility, not because you're fooling around with it and you're watching it while you're eating dinner, okay? This is your responsibility to know what to do with this to be successful with your brand. And you, your face, is your brand. The website tells your story. It doesn't want to hear about Aunt Fanny or Uncle Harry. It wants to hear about your story. Blogs, grow your story. If you can't write an essay or write a blog, find someone who can. Facebook shares it. YouTube demonstrates it. Twitter, constantly. Now you have Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, all the rest. Personally, I don't do any of this. But as a business person, you must know its use and how to make use of it. The noise from all of this affects your ability to sell your brand. And now we have bloggers as brand builders. What used to be a brand builder? Vogue. 17, Harper's. When's the last time you guys ever looked at those other than research? Bloggers are the brand builders, and they all make money. 50% of the influencers charge about $20,000 a year. But let me just give you a fact of life now. And this, I think, um, are the realities of law that you, if you're going to be in business, must know about. It is against the law. FTC is the federal, 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 not state, trade commission. Influencer posts are deceptive endorsements unless it says this is a paid post before the hashtag, not after the hashtag, before the hashtag. It is now Naomi Campbell got caught with it. Uh, Chia got caught. Christina, they're all getting caught with that. A fine, major fine for as many days as it's up. So if your blogger 
your influencer is getting the merchandise free or is being paid for it, they must say so. And that is now coming leaps and bounds. Everybody's getting a letter. The other law that you must know for your own sake is the right of publicity. If you see Gigi Hadid or her sister wearing your coat and you put it on your website saying, see, she's wearing my coat, this is now civil. You will not be fined. You will be sued by Gigi's agent and the photographer. The photographer has the right to that picture. You cannot repost it. So what happens is as things change in life and in law and in fashion, a law comes up and screws everything up, truly. But nevertheless, you have to realize that you can't just say that some movie star wore this and I'm making something very similar, not without their permission. And you can do that. I mean, you can find out who the agent is, who they're represented, send an email and say, do I have the right? Will you give me permission to use this? If they don't answer, it's a tacit yes. You must make that leap. Globally, we have what's called transnational. What's happening here is happening there, wherever there is. And we have also the democracy of consumption. There's no such thing as waiting six months until it trickles down. And fashion has no price, has no price. Whatever is in, you will buy it from whomever you are used to buying it from. You're not going to look for the cheapest denim jacket. You're going to go where you're comfortable buying it. Big change. If you look at your shirt and there's a photograph of a sports player on there, guess what? The player wants to get paid. The photographer wants to get paid. And probably somewhere else along the line, somebody wants to. And probably somewhere else down the line, a lawyer and an agent or a manager wants to get paid. That's called licensing because it's an intellectual property. And intellectual property and some of the future business ideas are something that Ilsa is going to really break down for us. So what is happening now? Licensing, where they're renting their names. As soon as somebody gets an agent, they want something, they want a label. The most successful brand is Gwen Stefani for 24 years. She's not as young as she looks, by the way. But... Harajuku and Lamb has been a brand for 24 years. She is the single largest earner of licensing. Now, what is licensing? She didn't make any of this. And what you have now is diffusion licensing. And here's the big question. This is the big question for the next four or five years. You have Target doing brands, okay? So you have Missoni for Target and Missoni. If you went on to eBay right now and looked for a Missoni scarf, you would not know whether it came from Italy or from Target. Was it $30 or was it $350? You don't know. Doesn't diffusion say to you, if it's cheaper, why am I spending the top dollar for it? That's the question that's happening now in terms of diffusion licensing. Because what is important is the difference between a knockoff and diffusion is very, very important. Intellectual property rights, trademark, patent, copyright, counterfeit, trade dress, they're all different. And they all take, if you are going into business, a line item is called lawyer. You will be sued one way or another in our business. 
if you don't know the rules going in. Copyright is the bane of our existence in the, in the apparel business. Copyright is only artwork. It's only prints. It's only the back of a jean where you do that embroidery or whatever. You send $40 to U.S. Copyright Office and you have a copyright. Please note in this room the lack of prints. The effect of the preponderance of cases of copyright law has affected the way we design. So with all that information in hand, how is one to be successful in the industry? Ilsa has some great closing remarks for us. And to all of you, I must say, no one does it alone. I know you are all creative geniuses. No question about it. But no one is successful. No one without knowing the other side of the coin. The only one that I can think of is Karl Lagerfeld, who never owned anything. He never was a partner in any of his companies, and not a partner in Chanel. He wasn't even a partner in the brand that has his own name. He was not a partner in Fendi. He just made just don't worry about what he lived on. But he's the only one I have ever heard of that said, I don't want to know about anything but design. I hope you're as good as Karl Lagerfeld, but somehow I doubt it. And this is a lesson to be learned about how fast things are moving. 2010, nine years ago, nine years ago, that's what this chart said, the cool kid, when somebody outside of school liked it, then it became fashionable, a Barney's product, and it went all the way out to Walmart with Crocs and cargo pants, okay? That took two years to get to that and four years out the door. It's now 10 weeks. 10 weeks for a cool day of creation to become adopted by the internet, by retailers, adopted. But it's only one year and it's over. Over. That's the change, and it's coming at us fast and furiously. So please be aware that whatever you're learning today, forget about it. In five years, it'll be different. Artificial intelligence, AI, that, this is all data analytics. How do they decide at Stitch Fix what to put in that box? Analytics. They know what sizes, where you go for lunch, what you eat. What's your pattern of living? Algorithms give data to predict the product, the features that customers want. Fabulous information, fabulous study here. You have 3D coming. We already have Rothy. I don't know how many of you know Rothy footwear. They're fabulous. Out of San, they're up here, San Francisco. 3D knitting and quick dry technology into footwear. Recycled plastic water bottles. It is not perfected yet to mass. But everybody's working on these things. Robotics. Nike already ro uses robotics to make the bottoms of shoes and to put the laces in. What do you have to do to be successful? Product is only one part of it. You have to know data and technology. Experience. What is experience? It's the fact that you can't touch anything on the internet. You want to go into the store. You want to touch it, feel it. Entertainment. You're going into a mall not to buy clothes. You're going into a movie. You're going to go eat. There are many, many things you're going into a mall. And you're part of that entertainment. And business is different. Okay? 
When I was, uh, now, I am not around since 1924, so let's not get carried away here with age. But Mr. Selfridge, Selfridge is the largest retailer in London. And Mr. Selfridge came from Macy's. And he has in cement over the doors of Selfridge the right product in the right place at the right time. It's over. It's over. The right offer for the right consumer in the right channel with the right voice. That's the business today. Product has nothing to do with it. So there you have it. A little bit of insight. Well, actually a lot of insight into the business of fashion. Something you may not have thought about as you decided to put some pen to paper and draw out your next line. But if you've ever dreamed about a career in art and design, there's a, a lot to learn. And more and more art and design careers are on the rise. And employers are also on the hunt for the next generation of talented and skilled creative professionals. And you will get the work-ready skills that employers want, not just design skills, but some of that business acumen that Ilsa talks about. And you can study at the Academy of Art University in downtown San Francisco, or more importantly, anywhere in the world with our online programs. So to request more information about our 40 plus areas of study in art and design, including game development, fashion design, photography, filmmaking, UX design, and more, visit academyart.edu slash creative mind. And if you're liking what you hear so far, please hit subscribe on whatever device you're listening to so that you don't miss our weekly updates. Thanks for listening.